I'm Deborah Holchin, editor of Michigan Today. In this episode, my guest is Angela Klein, executive director of the Ann Arbor Street Art Fair, the original. She just survived year one as the boss, following longtime executive director Maureen Riley. Now, the original fair started in July 1960. Local vendors wanted to goose retail sales while the students were out of town, so hosting an art fair during the dog days of summer was the perfect lure, and so it began. These days, the quote-unquote art fair comprises three fairs, the aforementioned original, plus the Guild's Summer Art Fair and the Ann Arbor State Street Art Fair. The event has a huge footprint that covers much of the town, and the logistics are staggering. One either immerses in it, abandons it altogether, or suffers through it begrudgingly. And the mid-July date always coincides with the most extreme weather of the season. Thunderstorms, tornadoes, life-threatening heat stroke. But hey, it's all part of the gig. Angela is an avid art collector herself, and she's deep into fair culture. She worked for years with textiles artist Chris Roberts Antio, actually staffing the artist's booth for nearly a decade. Much like an actor who's become a film producer, which she was, Angela knows the highs and lows and the storms that come with every art fair. She's got perspective. Art can change your life, she says, but it does take a community to support that change. And like her, I feel grateful to live in a community that does. Here's Angela. Someone used to ask me, I was like in my 20s, they're like, oh, you have an art degree, what are you going to do with that? And I just would start saying, anything I want. Literally anything you want. There's an artist, uh, Helen Gottlieb, who's on our footprint, who, as she was a little girl growing up in Ann Arbor, so she would go and she would like braid people's hair for a dollar. And then she got like a permit to braid hair, like when she was a teenager, her and her sisters. And then now she's this amazing, incredibly gifted printmaker. Just the progression of that, that story, I love. And her, she's a phenomenal human being and her artwork, you just can't believe it. It was good, it was busy. That's why I have an art collection, so that my kids can see this, this story of this progression. Someone had an idea, just a spark, and they th- believed in themselves enough to say, okay, I'm gonna make this thing. And then they believed in themselves enough to say, okay, I'm gonna put it out in the world, this daring act of like, everyone's gonna see it now. And then I'm gonna invest in myself and I'm gonna build this business. And then I'm gonna pack everything up and drive across the country, wherever, and put up this pop-up event over and over again. And then you, as a, an art buyer, get to come in, talk to these artists, take the piece home, and then it lives as this rem- inspiring, beautiful reminder of what it means to believe in yourself. I had a corporate job for 20-some years, and 9-11 happened, and they laid me off. Oh. So I kept hearing paint, and I never painted before. Really? Wow. So I'm a Christian, and so I said to God, it's like, okay, I'm going to give you seven weeks to sell one painting, and if I can do that, then I'll believe this crazy voice. I'll sell five in one week. That's awesome. And it's been 21 years. It was like, if you listen to your heart, your heart will always find beauty in any tragedy. Beauty will always come out. Everyone has this philosophy of the starving artist. I understand that purest notion where you just want to sit in your studio and make art and have no one bother you. And um, I get it, you know. 
but at the same time, you do need to eat. <laughs> yeah, you got to pack it up and take a tent and go hang out on the steps of hill and uh, yeah, and and the thing some. is, these are all artists that I would say ninety percent of them are concurrently in many gallery shows and national shows and some in museums and things like that. So, for this idea of like, oh, these are just you know people being crafty in their basements and coming out once a year, that is not what's happening here. These are professional people that deeply care about their work and their work and their craft. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. Wow, how do you even do this? It's all hand-blown and hand-formed, and I work by myself, so I make everything. But um, I blow them as whole forms, and then once they're cold, I cut them with diamond saws, and then I grind and polish them, and then do usually some engraving or some sort of surface articulation on pieces. Kind of what I call work based on work. So I'm, I'm making things and, and kind of asking questions of the material all the time. And then as you're kind of doing that piece, the work's posing questions to you. And so you want to do the next piece and the next piece. So it's just like fascinating, like the shape. And then the In terms of making art commercial, if that's the, the question. I don't feel like that's what's happening at the Ann Arbor Art Fair. I mean, these are people that are very passionate about what they make. Their avenue for showing it is this community. And I love that. Everyone gets to choose how they want to show their work, whether it's an art fair, whether you want to go the gallery route. All the, all the routes are possible now. All the voices get to be heard and seen and known. And that's important to me. Yeah, and Jimmy, the community I want my kids to grow Jordan up in. And Maryland. I mean, every time I do a Jimmy or a Maryland, they always sell. That Hendrix one is amazing. That's my favorite. So cool. Yeah, that Jim Morrison one is cool too. Yeah, I try to use colors in the faces that people don't think would really work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that red is incredible. It makes it interesting. Yeah, for sure. One of the first things I did that I was really excited about was running the studio for Chris Roberts Antio. She is a self-taught artist and she still has two galleries uh, in New Orleans and Santa Fe. For Chris Roberts Antio, I was able to make a documentary for her and make a book for her and help her start galleries that she, and then also do the Ann Arbor Art Fair. Is it Bridgerton Diaries or something? Oh yeah. She wrote Getting $100,000 worth of artwork prepped and made and hung in the booth up and our crews organized. And I physically sat in that booth for almost eight years and she's done many of their commemorative posters and been their featured artist. So I got to know all the artists in the community and I still, you know, Kemper, you know, many of the artists still do the fair from that era and I get to know them and see them and see the progression of their artwork and their careers and yeah. How fun. It's super fun. I love it. Oh my God, I just love it. Well, we've had three fairs since I think 1967. We, you know, the original, the My Footprint started in 1960. Um, yeah, each one has their own vibe, which I love. And, um, you know, our footprint, the Ann Arbor Street Art Fair, they call it the original because it's the first one that started. But also, I'm like, one easy way to remember is that we have original art on ours. We don't allow reproductions. And um, that's just one difference. But also, I think, because we're on the university campus, it has a little bit of like a calmer vibe up there. We have Francis to Dora Hardgreaves, and we have Karen Delhay from the Guild. Francis, the, the director of the State Street District, and Karen, the director of Summer Street and the Guild, she, we all work together on top of with every city member. And they each have board of directors, and I have a board. And so you have to answer to them at the same time that everyone can agree. I love organizing things, so I love the process of compromising and figuring it out and keeping 
making sure everybody wins. That's always my goal. Yes. You have everyone from the fire marshal to the police to head of sanitation. All of these people come together in this beautiful ballet to get this all organized. And they do it with such joy. They, you know, I've had people invite me into their homes to show me all the art that they had bought off of, you know, from the art fair. They're like, let me show you this. I have yet to meet anyone that was like, ugh. You know, everyone's like, that's my favorite thing. I can't wait to go to it every year. <laughs> and the people who do go, ugh, you probably have nothing in common with anyone, you know? <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, I get it. Like, sometimes it's crowds or parking. I totally get that. I, I'm a human being, too, where you're like, oh, I'm hot and there's too many humans. But if they're, when you look at it and if you find your time, like go in the morning when it's cool, go in the evening when the crowds are a little less, you can find that perfect time where you can go and see your favorite artists. Cause that's the beauty of it. When do you get to go and actually talk and have a really nice dialogue with an artist that, that an artist that you love and their work and you get to, you know, they'll sit and talk to you for an hour. Why do you like working with wood? because it's a medium that I can sculpt, bend, do whatever, and then it still has its own warmth and texture. It's not like metal, which is beautiful, but it's fairly flat or generic. This is, it's got- That's why, you know, when I hear curmudgeons about, oh, I don't want to come to the fair, I'm like, gosh, you got to think of all these helpers that are coming together to put on this thing for you and your kids and, you know. Why does it work so well here, and why are we so famous for it? Like, what is it about Ann Arbor that makes for a fantastic art fair every yeah, year? Yeah, you know, I've thought about that many times. I, I really feel like it comes down, we have such an uh, amazing population and a community of people that love and know art and care about it. Like, I think maybe they understand that without the arts, music, visual arts, whatever it is, and all the different people that make it, you can't thrive. You know, even if you're someone who runs a car company, who are you going to get to design your cars? Every human made thing was designed by an artisan. Even if it was someone who worked for the city and was thinking about how the curve of the street side went or the, the shape, you know, the architecture, everything. And without that, and if you're not feeding that all the time, what do you have? And that's evidenced by when communities don't have that anymore. And who brings back those communities? It's always the artists that move back into those communities and build them back up. So I do love that community aspect of the the arts and the merchants yes. kind of joining forces for a weekend. Yeah. And like, let's sell some stuff, you right. know? And I, I love how it just takes over the town. I love everything about it. Like, honestly, I was a fair goer years and years and years and years before I was ever part of the event and organizing the event, and I still love it the same way. How I would do it is I would come and spend a day kind of like on each, because it's like the Louvre. I mean, it's so gigantic. It's the largest like outdoor gallery space. I will say as the director, I'm sad that I can't make it now down to all the footprints. I told him like, I feel like I've organized Christmas and I'm not allowed to go to Christmas. This isn't fair. <laughs> because Probably what was a surprise to me is just how many hats you have to wear from doing a TV interview for the news, you know, the day of the fair, let's say. And then you have to run back and make sure that all the tent poles are exactly where, you know, your ops manager is set and what do they need? And does artist number and booth number have enough water and first aid supplies? And then going back and making sure the accounting is all done and everybody's in their place. You know, I went to a film school, so it seems very much like when I was producing a film and you're trying to get it done all on the 
these certain days. You got to get your talent in place. You have to get everybody uh, ready and fed and on a dime. You know? <laughs> and it's always hot. I know, we gotta have the big huge storm. I think with weather, you have to take it in stride and you have to take it with a bit of humor and just be prepared, have, you know, extra socks and shoes and all that stuff in the gear, you know. I used to do archeological digs in Ireland. I was an illustrator and you, in Ireland, the weather just changes like on the hour. And so you just had a backpack full of like your stuff. And if you get into that mindset of like, okay, I'm prepped. There's, a, there's some fun and adventure to that. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it because right when the skies open oh, yeah. and you see, I mean, it's like an annual event. It's like, yeah. how's it going to go this year? I know. And as soon as the sky clears, everyone's like unwrapping their stuff again. And it's just like nothing happened. There's yeah. some water on the ground. Yeah. That's the only way you'd know it had just rained, you know? These are pros. Most of the people have been doing this fair for a very long time. And then we have new artists and the pros next door say, let me help you out, kid. You know? <laughs> Bring an extra pair of socks next yeah, year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you source the wood from? It's mostly from local sawmills right in the area. You can see the, the wood and the grain. That's what I'm talking about, the, the medium. Like It's just, also very fun to be able to see the same people every year. Like yeah, you were knowing. I love like, I was bummed. After the pandemic, things kind of moved around a little. So I'm like, oh, where's my favorite <laughs> person that's always here, you know? Yes. Well, but. on our website, we have, which is artfair.org, we have an artist directory that goes all the way back to the 90s. Whoa! Whoa. It's, oh, it's like pipe. <gasps> How cool. Whoa. Oh, you have to take a picture of For yeah. goers that are looking for their artists from 1992 and they want to find them again. And I'm sure the artists maybe recognize the customers every now and then, you know, too, oh, if for you've sure. got, like, devoted people that... Oh, no, they have patrons and people. I mean, for example, we had one artist who had, like, a snafu with his parking. He forgot to pay for his parking. And one of his collectors called us, and they're like, you have to help with the parking. No, of course, we, we were already talking to him and trying to figure it out. But I thought, how lovely that they... Their patron cared so much, and their collector, to call me to help them solve their parking problem. Those pipes are cool, too. They're like Gandalf pipes. That's this whole place where it feels like a futuristic, like, elf house. <laughs> futuristic elf house. I should put that as its name. <laughs> well, even when, I think I wasn't a part of this, but in 2020 it was closed down, and then just like eight weeks before the last 21 oh, yeah. art fair, the governor said, okay, you can open back up. And then... Karen and Mo and friends said their phones just like exploded. Like, how do we make this art fair that usually takes us an entire year to organize? And I mean, every day of that year, how can you do it? And they did it. They could have said, no, it's too much. And they did it. And what chutzpah <laughs> it took to do that. What a gift to yeah. the community. Absolutely. But then after a while, you want to make connections. So it took me like a while to figure out that I wanted to make connections with people. So when they start looking at the pieces, they look at them because of curiosity, but then when they start reading into them, they find out there's a reflection happening. That part of themselves is in the piece and that we all deal with things. So it's like having it be an extension to me is more important than just their standing for decor. You know, I have an art degree. I have a double major in drawing and painting and a minor in ancient art history. And, but I love the business of art. I love everything about it. Everything from the design, from graphic design to architecture. to I love every component of it. And I like to think about how to bring that to people. I love that there is truly something 
for every single person. There's someone for every pocketbook. There's some for everyone's style, for everyone's energy. If you just want to go and have a drink, I mean, there's really, truly, if you just want a quiet moment, come and sit up, you know, in the original and find an artist who just wants to like quietly talk about their formalist work. You know, like there's just truly something for everyone. But I do love uh, Joaquin Nil. He, I don't know if you went to his booth, but it looks like a big shipping container from the outside. And then there's these red ropes. And then when you go inside, he has this whole, and I will not do it justice because the paintings are absolutely exquisite. They're oil paintings, but they're of this whole world of stuffed animals, these gilded gold frames. And they're so beautifully rendered and painted that, uh, and so my son, who's nine and was just completely enchanted and how could you not be like and, and he does quite well and he actually was one of the winners this year his booth really goes the extra mile to create an installation and an environment and experience like a whole happening in this little 10 by 10 you know it's very small um but it's incredible it is nice to have it jury but you know it's i i love um art brute and any type of i, I love that and i you know if someone had a booth of just art that they brought I'd be like yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty punk rock you know I've had people say over the years uh, I think this when I was on the board and they'd be like oh that's kind of like your grandma's art fair I'm like well my grandma was a feminist badass so my grandma was pretty rad <laughs> I think most of our grandmothers were pretty incredible human beings so I'll take that as a compliment <laughs> that's awesome yeah. oh thanks oh, these are gorgeous so this is uh, where you can see a living artist Ooh. making money and being collected by Oprah and the presidents of the United States and all these things. A lot of times I tell young people that are going into the arts, I'm like, it's smart probably to get a minor in business or marketing and so you can be your own champion. You have to do that when you're starting out. But then I find that I really love the business of it and the, the artistry in that business. Like there's a real art to, to, to doing that and finding your way in that, so. The art fair, and this is long before I was a part of it, I was like, what a jewel in the crown of Ann Arbor. Like there are people that I met in LA that knew about the Ann Arbor art fair. That's unusual. <laughs> I live in a community of people that deeply care. And I've told my husband before, I'm like, all I want on my headstone at the end of my life is she cared. Like, you just care. You, you give a darn. Because that's what I don't think people realize. This is a labor of absolute love. We, you know, Karen, Francis, and I, this is all nonprofits. We do this purely for the love of Ann Arbor and the arts. Thank you so much to Angela and all of the Art Fair directors, staff, and volunteers. You are a gift. The artists you heard on this podcast in order of appearance are painter Armando Pedroso, glass artist Mark Sudeth, pop culture artist Jack McGurney, wood sculptor Jake Block, sculptor philosopher Thomas Worgen, and the kids in the School of Rock house band, hipster teens doing the Cure's love song. <laughs> Check the show notes for details about the artists. Thanks for listening. That's another art fair in the books. Come back next July. Until then, as always, go blue.